Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good, Ken. You know, sometimes I get a little down about the world, and uh, I, I think we all do, especially if we have family, if we have children. You, you look at certain things, people hurting people, and just the direction in certain ways as far as our society, with the violence out there, with the just sometimes the hatred and uh it, it gets you worried it, it gets you worried i have you know you haven't been blessed yet you will you have young kids someday you have well you're blessed you're blessed with young kids you'll be blessed with grandchildren god willing someday too and it's a whole different experience and you you get worried about what kind of world they're going to be you know having and we went out to dinner and then you get lifted up we went out to dinner uh, what was it? Friday, I think. I took my family out, and um, there's this young waiter. He's 25 years old, I believe, and he's he's an aspiring actor. He's working two jobs. He's a waiter. He's working another job, and he's also going to college, going to school, and he wants to be an actor. He's aspiring to be an actor, and then he, he's a boxing fan. He, he's a fan of this show. And then he he stops all so we start talking. It turns out when he was 16 years old, he was in a horrific car accident. He was airlifted to the Atlantic City Trauma Center because he was in Jersey somewhere where that accident took place. He was a passenger in a car. He was 16 years old. He was in a coma. When he came out of the coma, he had to learn how to relearn how to walk and you know all the go through. So the things you hear about when when there's such a horrific uh, accident and trauma and to the body and brain and everything else that you have to go through that kind of rehab, and here he is, 25 years old, moving forward, working a couple jobs, going to school, aspiring to be an actor. I have no doubt he's going to be an accomplished actor with that kind of determination. No, not feeling sorry for himself. Didn't take a second, or you know, to to drown himself in any kind of pity, or you know, look what happened, and you know, uh, and all that stuff, and didn't know if he was going to be able to even, well, didn't even know if he was going to live. I mean, they were surprised he lived, and no excuses. Like I said, no, no self, you know, pitying or you know, taking a backward step just forward and after I talked to him I was thinking and I said to my my daughter and um said to the rest of my family this world every time you get a little down you hear a story like that and you get lifted up I think we'll be okay <laughs> when I <laughs> when I see a kid like that I say oh if I'm I go and I visit the uh the, our great people over in West Point, which is a, just a hollow grounds, beautiful place to go, incredible. And you go there and you hear, you see these young men. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sir. Yes, sir. And and they're following the code of honor, dignity. You know, uh, representing their country, protecting their country. That they care about such things. They've committed to such principles. When you see that. And when you see a kid like this kid I saw the other day at the as the waiter, you renew your hope or your hope gets renewed. 
your faith gets renewed that we will be okay, that we have enough good people in this country and good young people in this country that care about the right things, that will make sure that we are okay. As, as much as we have people that are, you know, messed up and knuckleheads and, and you know, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. But we have so many that, and it's important, I think. I know people get down. They say to me, I don't want to watch the news no more. I get depressed. I get this. I get, and I know that it, it creeps into people. It really does. You know, and during that COVID period and everything else where kids couldn't go to school. And I just want to say, we're going to be okay. There's a lot of good people out there, including the people that I'm talking to right now. We're going to be all right. We, we don't lose faith. Don't go down that, that, that tunnel, that spiral tunnel down, down that can really go deep. We, we have the ability to be okay. We have good people in this country. And we have the capacity to do the greatest thing in the world to make a choice, our own choice of who we're going to be, of who we're going to be. It's our choice. And no matter how bad things might get and how difficult things might get, remember, it's your choice how you deal with it. It's your choice how you behave. It's your choice what you do. It's not the choice of the other person that you're dealing with. It's not your adver adversary, the moment, the magnitude of what's... It's not the choice of the sky, of, of the weather, it's the choice of you. It's, it's a powerful thing. It's your choice. It's your choice what you're going to do, how you're going to behave, what you're gonna, what, what's going to happen. It, it's no one else's choice until you give up that choice. And I just thought that kid kind of inspired me to say, hey, remind everybody, you know what? We're, we're, still, we're still good. We got good people. And... um. I know that you had a good story too, that you ran yeah. into a, a kid, you, you had to fly into New York for business, and I know that it was nice to, to hear your story too. Yeah, Orlando Ocampo Jr. Uh, at the Ritz-Carlton in New York. I stayed up there for a work event, quick in and out, and uh, Orlando recognized me from the show and just didn't say anything, just handed me the keys to a room. I went into the room, it was like, the nicest suite I've ever stayed in in my life. Looking over Central Park, I think pr I probably had like a, a room in the basement reserved if I probably got the least expensive room they had. But uh, this guy hooked it up really nice. Didn't ask for anything, didn't want anything. Was just like, just a good person. And uh, yeah, I couldn't have been more appreciative. Thank you, Orlando. Good person. Good people. Yeah, real good. Good people and, out uh, there. Good people. Let me ask you a question. What do you have to do at this point, I know that you, you're blowing up. You're the world's greatest marathon runner. <laughs> you're blowing up by the moment. What do you have to do to get on your poster board behind you? I know we have to, our great friend Dustin, he belongs there always. But you used to kind of put up the and match it with the fighters that we had, that we were, you know, talking about that particular week. Oh, now I don't see it changing. Like, yeah. what do you have to do? Do you have to like be <laughs> Joe Lewis and come back like from the dead? <laughs> I have, I have definitely been neglectful in uh, changing it accordance to the in oh. accordance with the uh, uh -huh. big wins for the week. Okay. But 
I was leaving the Louisiana guys up there, Regis and uh, Regis Progray and Dustin yeah, Poirier. I, I, figured I, got, I got UFC and boxing representative, represented, and I like those picks, and my kids really like those two guys. They've met them both, and uh, I don't know. I just like kept them up there for a while, but oh, one of these good. days, when, when, when we get another big main event and a big, uh, a big win that was something super notable, I'm going to change them up. Yeah, no, you can't go wrong with that, but with them, they're the best. But um, I was just a little curious, <laughs> like, you know, what you have to do now that obviously that the bar has been risen a little bit to get onto Ken's um, poster board, you know? And, I, I and to be honest, I love that you noticed because no one had noticed in like several weeks, and I was like, man, no one's paying attention to the Wall of Fame. I guess no one cares about it. So no, of course, I always care. I shouldn't have been surprised that you were the one who noticed it because I think you and I have that same, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse where we can't help but to notice everything. Yeah, it, it can be a curse. It can be a curse. But... Yeah. um. No, and before we get started with what we're here to talk about, which is the fights, um, how about the football? How about them Cowboys? You know that my man Stephen A., our friend Stephen A. I was going to say Stephen wanted to make a special guest appearance just to come he, on and chuckle, but I figured I'd just, he, he told me to send a message. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that's him. That's him. He's I having brought, a ball. Uh, Teddy, I should have brought my damn cowboy hat. I forgot it in the other room. Dang He's it. having a ball. You know, my, I was almost going to text him last night. I was almost going to text him and give him something to say. And he said, look, I don't have to give him anything to say. He's got plenty to say. You know? <laughs> he just has and, to laugh. Uh, yeah. And, but my son... What is my son? You know, he's been in the NFL for, for what, 15 years. And he, he used to be with a guy that was with the Cowboys years ago, guy from Dallas. I can't remember the guy's name, but an old timer and uh, old football guy. And he used to have a saying uh, about the, you know, the Cowboys, about just, just a Southwest saying, I guess, about such things. You know, when you're touted that you're going to be so good and then, of course, you're not. And, it, <laughs> and the saying was beautiful. It made me laugh. Teddy sent it to me yesterday. He said, all hat, no cattle. <laughs> I, I thought it was just so... You know so what, Teddy? I, I actually feel bad for them because the play that they ran on the last play, they get Zeke Elliott almost killed. He gets steamrolled trying to snap the ball and then throw a block. I mean, the guy <laughs> ran over him. He looked like Chandler Jones running over Mac Jones. And then they throw a six-yard slant and almost get the receiver decapitated. I mean, it was just a comedy of errors. It was like, what? What the hell? Run a handoff if that's what you're going to do before you but get you someone hurt. But you know what hurt. it speaks to, Ken? You're 100% right. But a comedy of errors. But here's the thing. Mental errors. Mm -hmm. Mental errors. Mm -hmm. And I always talk 100%. about in life, in boxing, in MMA, whatever, uh, in fighting, because life's a fight in football, anything, I always talk about 75% of it's mental. Mental. These athletes are all great. They're very comparable with their skill levels. But it comes down to mental. Who executes when the pressure's on? Who comes through? Who mentally keeps themselves together, doesn't fall apart, makes the right decisions, thinks calmly in an uncalm environment? Who keeps themselves together because they get paid to perform under pressure? 
That's what, it, at the end of the day, it's not about this, just the season. It comes down to trying to make the Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, you got to be good in the season to get there. Yes, uh, granted. But then it comes down to who can perform when the bright lights, the hot lights are shining the hottest. When, when the air gets thin. You know, who can think and do at that point? And you know what? The Cowboys... I said this weeks ago. I didn't have any faith because they always screw it up. They always <laughs> find a way to lose. Instead yes. of and the top teams that have the same kind of talent levels, but very comparable, they find a way to win. Yep. Yet they find ways to lose. And I never I hate to pick on one guy because there's a lot of guys, but I never believed in their quarterback Prescott to give them all that money. I never thought he was a guy to build a franchise around. I I I mean I don't know. I know there's not a lot of Patrick Mahomes around and those kind of guys around, but I never thought, or Brady's, whatever, but I, I know you got to you overpay them sometimes because it's hard to find a quarterback. I get it. Very. I get how important it is. But I thought that they overpaid. That I just didn't think he had the qualities to lead a team to the promised land, to win the big one. And he was lucky he didn't get sacked for a safety well, on that yeah, last he, series. He, I mean, he, I, I, it looked like he, he almost looked like he freeze. ran into his own guy. Like he didn't know yeah. what he was, like he didn't, yeah. I don't know. He was, he didn't know the guy was there. But again, pressure, uh, performing mentally under pressure. That's what it comes down to. And I just didn't trust his team. I didn't think, I thought they, they would, again, they'd find a way to screw it up. Um, I didn't trust this quarterback to take them all the way. Um, you know, I know he, I know they had a good offense during the season, but then it's not about that anymore. And just one mental, and not just him. I mean, you had a receiver go out of bounds, supposed to stop the clock. They don't stop the clock. He's not going, going forward. Yeah. You don't know. You don't understand that. You're not aware the, of your environment of the rules. You have to be aware the, the of such things. Uh, the, the, the poor kicker. The poor kicker. The poor kicker. He clearly had like a mental mental block. I mean, you I just mean, don't see that. Yeah, in the it's NFL. a shame. It's terrible. And then. And then I mean, they're gonna. That poor kid is gonna be in a rubber room. I mean, uh, and you then, see, uh, Jerry Jones went down, saw him missing, missing uh, field goals, warming up, and went down onto the field on the fifty yard line to talk to the kid before the game. I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is helping. Yeah, but I mean, I feel and, bad and, and, for that guy. I really just, do. It was just one mental, again, not physical, mental error after another. I mean. What was the other one? Uh, well, the guy from one- San Fran almost gave them a chance to like stay in the game because he could have he ran out of bounds on the first down instead of just falling down after he got the first. Yeah, that down. was a Mitchell. bad one. Yeah, that bad that, one. that kept them alive. But but then Dallas did about five of them. I know. I mean, I, know. I mean, it was just like they one after another. And again, for everyone out there, it it, it comes down. You don't have to be physically the greatest. You have to mentally be the greatest you have to mentally it, it, it's something that everyone can aspire towards to achieve you know to achieve higher levels in those areas of discipline learning i mean it's about character it's about it's about the mental strength is about being able to believe in yourself when others don't to when 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 things are the bleakest when the lights start to get dim you know, and, and a lot of that has to do, you know, with 
how you practice life, the you know uh, the choices you make, the accountability that that you have in your life to be accountable. I, I tell you one thing: if you're a person who's not accountable, and then suddenly you're thrown into a world where yeah, you got all the talent in the world, but you got to be accountable now. You got to mentally be able to keep yourself together when that moment comes, and. If, if you haven't been practicing that off the field, if that hasn't been a part of your life, it's going to show up. People don't think in those ways. They're, they're, in, the, they're in the training room. They're lifting the weights. They're, they're on the treadmill. They're, they're running with the oxygen mask and depraving themselves of oxygen. They're doing all those physical things. Yeah, very important. Eating the right things. Yeah, very important. But this, the mental upstairs you know the the headquarters the the center of it all the general you're the soldier the head is the general it gives the orders that general that general has to be ready so anyway the just I, i was looking at that and then you had a lot of a lot of other great games i mean burrow burrow looks like he he's going to be one of the next great ones. I mean, oh, he good. he he looked to show himself to be better, better than than uh, better than uh, what's the guy from Buffalo? Josh uh, Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen. I mean, he he came through in the right time. So and then of course you have Mahomes. Here's a guy who's on one leg, and look what he gets done. I mean, yeah, under pressure again, under pressure, hurt. And he gets it done. So he had a lot of good games. Um, the poor Giants, where I live. <laughs> I mean, Ken, it was like men against boys. Yep. I mean, uh, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of one of those games during the year where Alabama plays Prairie View. <laughs> uh, and you know what happens in those games. I don't uh, have yep. to tell you. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, that really, that's what it looked like. High school kids were college kids or college kids were pros. And I, I saw a funny tweet. It said uh, from a Philly guy, he's like, hey, uh, Giants fans, if you're at the game with, this, with the fourth quarter just starting, make a run for it. Get out of there quickly. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and then here's the thing about I'll finish with the Cowboys. You get beat by a good team, good defensive team. But what I'm talking about the quarterback, and it's not just this. this uh, you go down a list of a lot of quarterbacks that I, I don't, you know, you hope they're the franchise, but they're not. The re- that guy, Prescott, who's supposed to be the franchise guy, you paid him as such, he he has to win this game. He has to find a way to win this game. And you get beat by a third-string rookie who was the last draft pick in the draft. <laughs> really, I mean, I'll, that's, I'll that's just Brady. a fact. Yeah, whether you like it or not, last draft pick in the third string, he's only played in seven games, and he beats your your franchise, you know, your guy. I mean, it's not supposed to happen. Nope. But uh, you got some good games. You got you got you know you got two games left. You got San Fran against Philly, right? Yep. Um That's that's a hell of a game. I love hurt. I love the hurt. Way, I love the way Philly's playing. I believe Philly runs them over. I don't know if they run over San Fran. I don't believe it. I don't. I don't believe. Well, it. yeah, it's hard to use the Giants as a litmus test because I don't they, believe it. Listen, Philadelphia looks good. I like. I like their quarterback. Hurt. My t- my son stood behind that guy. He said that 
there's something about this kid. He's a leader. He's a winner. You know, he's a strong son of a gun. A lot of people didn't think he was a quarterback. They thought he was more of a running back. But he said, Dad, this guy, he's becoming a quarterback. But he's got all the other qualities that don't show up on film. You know, as far as the physical attributes show up. You know, he's got... I mean, here's a kid who was the star of Alabama. He got replaced. He got he got hurt. He got replaced. And then what does he do? He doesn't cry about it. He transfers to Oklahoma, right? Goes over to Oklahoma, takes them to the to the final playoffs, and has yeah. an unbelievable year. In other words, he's got character, as I was talking about. And um, so you you got him against the the rookie. Wow. You talk about a Cinderella story. Where, yep. where you got the rookie of San Fran. You got him. And all he's got to do is manage the game and not blow the game. Don't He don't have to win it. He, he's got to be the kind of guy with their running game and their running schemes. You know, the philosophy of the team that they have where they run the ball and they block the way they do and the defense that they have. He's a, He's got to manage the game, really. He does, he's not the kind of guy that really you would expect to have to win the game. It's going to be very interesting with Philly and San Fran. And then Cincinnati and Kansas City. You got Joe Burrow going against Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes been there. You know, he's been to the he's been to the mountaintop. And he wants to go there again. He's unbelievable. But he's hurt. And Burrow's not hurt. So who do you like? Real quick, who do you like to go to the Super Bowl and who do you like to win? I'm taking Cincy, Cincy and Philly, and I'm going to go with Cincy to win it. I think Burrow has a little bit more experience than Jalen Hurts, and that's what he needs to get it done. I, I, kinda, I just feel like Cincy's hot. I get agree with you, except that his surrounding, cat, you know, supporting cast with with some of the line, some of the linemen are hurt. He's, there's some injuries there. There's a few weak spots there um, in, in some of those areas. Uh, you know, you got to go up against really good defenses with Philly or San Fran, um, solid teams. KC, that's, hey, if they beat KC, I guess, yeah, I guess anything is, uh, anything's, anything's on the table at that point to win, right? If you beat KC, you know, that experience, that firepower, Mahomes, even though Mahomes is hobbled, yeah. Should be good game. Should be good game. Very good. You had some good fights to talk about, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah, know, yeah some yeah. really dramatic fights. Some uh, let's start with bloody the, fights. Uh, bloody let's fights. Start, yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's start with the uh, boxing over in the UK. Lamb Smith, Chris Eubank Jr. The fight starts out with a lot of trash talking. Lamb Smith foolishly uh, refers to Eubanks Jr. as. Um, potentially being gay whether he is or he isn't has nothing to do with the price of tea in china i thought eubank's response to him was great i'd rather be gay than a cheat i heard you cheat on your partner whether that's true or not it's i i just it's it's regretful that someone would bring sexuality into it like no one's choosing their sexuality you you born with how you're born you like what you like and uh, i just i just wish that he hadn't said that nevertheless they get into the ring and uh lamb smith takes a few rounds to figure um Eubank Jr. out and then exposes him and just knocks him out, beats him up. And uh, I thought that 
Eubank looked pretty good early, but I don't know if he necessarily looked good or, and I'm curious to get your opinion, if Eubank Jr. looked good or if Lamb Smith was just taking his time figuring him out and as soon as he figured him out, he just put him away. He dominated him. He just knocked him out, beat the brakes off him. I, I thought Eubank got exposed as not on the same level with Lamb Smith. What'd you think? Yeah, well, styles make fights so He's not as athletic, he being Smith, as Eubank, not as tall, not as big, not as quick. So his style is going to take time to get the motor running, to get to where he wanted to get to, to get close enough to him where he could, you know, do his work in close where Eubank was tall and long, was going to do most of his work on the outside. So part of it was what you just alluded to, why it took a four rounds and he didn't you know he lost the first three rounds I thought Smith did Eubank was controlling the geography as I talk about of the ring that he needed to control the outside where he's long he's tall he used his jab he used his speed he used his legs um, and he, he won all three rounds fairly you know fairly easily matter of fact he looked pretty good third, with the jab early right I thought he was yeah, sticking the jab yeah, he won real it pretty nice. easily and but again, to answer your question, the styles when a guy like Smith, it's going to take time to get the motor running. It's going to take a little time to get inside to get close where if he's going to do anything, it's got to be it's got to be in tight. It's got to be in close, not on the outside. And that's going to take a little work to be able to get to that geography of the ring. And that's kind of the way it went. Uh, the third round. You, Smith put the earmuffs on, went into the peekaboo without moving his head, though, just standing stationary, and he was a sitting duck to split his guard with the uppercut. And Eubank did, with many of them. He was just splitting a guard with the uppercut. He missed the boat there. He didn't think he did, but he missed the boat because when he split the guard with the right uppercut, he should have put a little left hook behind it uh, the way Crawford did. Uh, in in his uh, in his last fight, where Crawford caught the uh, his opponent with the uppercut, I can't remember his name. He caught his opponent with the uppercut and then put the short hook right behind it. But he did it from the southpaw stance. Eubank should have watched that tape and did the same thing. Instead of just catching with the uppercut, he should have put the left hook with it. Uh, he might maybe he would have did more damage at that point. Um, but it didn't matter because he didn't. The, another great crowd, the atmosphere of Cross the Pond uh, was just tremendous. Uh, you know, one thing I thought about when I saw that crowd, if you put, and this is, this is just the way it is, if you put two guys with similar records and backgrounds together over, over here, you might get 100 people in the crowd, uh, you know? <laughs> I mean, and that's only if you invited the families of the fighters to come <laughs> and, and you probably comped the Yushas. Uh, really. But over there, God bless them. Over there, God bless you guys. The Brits love their boxing. They love their fighters. They identify with them and they back them. And they come out. And they, they come out in mass. And it was predominantly... It sounded like it was predominantly for Smith, uh, so the the crowd was pretty happy. They got what they wanted, but as I was watching the fight and I was working, I was tweeting. 
with my great tweet team, uh, I was I was saying, you know, if Smith's going to win this fight, he has to get in close, and he has to do his work. He has to do his damage. And every time he got in close, he got tied up, either by his own fault or from Eubank tying him up. But a lot of the lot of it, he was he was kind of guilty. Smith was of allowing himself to get tied up. I always say it takes two to tangle to get tied up. You know, you got to kind of permit it a little bit yep. instead of doing something about it. And Smith permitted it. You know, mm-hmm. he got inside, either Eubank grabbed him a little or he smothered himself or Smith put his hand behind Eubank. You can't punch if your hand's behind the guy. I got news for you. So I'm, I'm watching it. I'm saying, hey, when he gets in close, he's got to keep himself free and he's got to work. I mean, what's the sense of getting close if you're not going to work? And then what happens? It was like putting a switch on. It was it really, it really was. In the fourth round, you talk about dramatic change of weather, going from a sunny day to like hail and thunder and sleet. All of a sudden, it became that kind of day, a stormy day for Eubank, just like that. The fourth round, what happens? Nothing complicated. Smith gets close, and what's he do? He lets his hands go, and he doesn't get tied up. He keeps them going, and as you said, he takes Eubank apart. He placed a really smart punch. It's not just about throwing. It's about throwing the right punch at the right time, and it's about the mental part. He didn't get discouraged because he lost the first three rounds, and he didn't get excited. He stayed calm, and when he got inside, he was calm enough he had really good eyes. Nobody talks about this that stuff. Good eyes. Really good eyes. You know, I was thinking, the eyes got it, like like in Congress. The eyes got it. <laughs> uh, and then I was thinking about my, you know, our, our great, uh, you know, English brothers and sisters over there. It would be in Parliament. The eyes got it in Parliament. And he's he, he's got good vision. He stayed calm. And he picked the right punch. He picked the uppercut. And the uppercut really did a lot of damage. And then he kept them coming. Calm, showed good finishing qualities, kept the rhythm of the punches coming, kept the onslaught going, but placing good, smart punches, not just wasting punches. There was a nice left hook, an inside left hook. Again, nobody talks about it, where... The glove is up here, so if you throw it traditionally, you're going to hit the glove. He changed the angle a little bit, Smith, where he threw it a little shorter, a little tighter inside the glove. Beautiful left hook inside the glove after the right uppercut. Beautiful. And and it really, it kind of it kind of did the rest of it. Uh, it, it put him into a bad place, obviously. Uh, put Eubank into a bad place. Eubank got up, but he was, you know, he was gone. Yeah, he was, he was gone. He, his legs were gone. He reminded me that those that that flurry of punches reminds. Anytime I see someone throw a flurry like that, we'll talk about Jamal Hill and Texera later. But anytime I see someone throw a beautiful flurry of punches like that, I hear your voice in my head saying, "Never throw one or two punches when you can throw three or four. Right? <laughs> you're learning well. You're learning well. <laughs> no, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, you. I hope you learned something being around me. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. 
But when I no, talk to ten, my kids, two. when I talk to my kids about being a bully, and they're like, "Well, when should you punch someone?" I said, "Well, certainly if you think they're going to punch you." But I said, "What do you do after you throw a punch?" Uh, I don't know. Throw another punch because they're going to punch you back. <laughs> well, that yeah. Uh, no, how about move your head? Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anyway. listen. The one thing I've finished with that, I think we covered that. The one thing I've finished with it, I did, to your point, Ken, the bad blood, there was real bad blood before that fight. It was nasty uh, with the lead up to the press conferences and all that stuff, all the, you know, pre-fight stuff. But it was nice to see respect and some class at the end yeah. where Eubank himself went over to Smith, give him credit, he went over to Smith, he congratulated him, and then, of course, Smith, you know, received the congratulations and and the two of them showed mutual, you know, respect for what they went through. Um, that was nice to see. That definitely. Was, that, was, that was good to see that. Um, yeah, definitely. Was, you know, um, before we go on with the UFC, I'd be remiss because I know you got a big fan base out there. They would be upset if I didn't ask you this. Where do you think, I know you were, you know, I know you were upset and you probably talked to him on the phone. Your, your boy Brady, um, it, it, didn't, it didn't end well. It didn't end well. Where do you think Tom Brady goes? Do you think, I'll tell you quickly what I think. Does he retire? It looks like maybe that's something that you should think about, retire. I don't, but, I don't think he's going to retire. I don't retire. think he will. Because the reason I don't think he will his ego would not allow him to walk off to the sunset when he should have after he won the Super Bowl with another team. He probably should have. I, I mean, it's not up to me to say. It's up to him. But maybe he should have. And it was perfect. It was like a Hollywood s script. Uh, and it was set up perfect. But his ego, his belief in himself, whatever you want to call it, his, 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 the the desire that runs through his, you know, the competitive spirit in him that runs through his veins, it wouldn't allow him to. I can't believe now, in this way, after losing the way he lost, that those same things, his competitive spirit, his ego, whatever you want to call it, will allow him to walk off this way. I, I, I can't see it. Uh, yeah, what do you I got think? Some, I got some thoughts on that. First of all, I think sometimes people interpret when you say ego like it's a like it's a knock. We all have an ego. Matter it's of not fact, a bad an, thing. Right. There's an incredible book called Ego is the Enemy uh, by Ryan Holiday. It's unbelievable. Um, but I would say to your point, it, yeah, from the outside looking in, you say, yeah, he, he should have walked away after that um, Super Bowl win. But I'd say this. This isn't. Okay, it's a contact sport, but it's certainly not boxing and certainly not combat sports, UFC, etc. So I would say this as someone who's 51, almost 52 and still trying to like do athletic endeavors and be great. And that ego oh, is I strong, that ego is strong. And I say this to Tom and I get forget what everyone else thinks. I say to Tom Brady, hey, if you think you could still be competitive and the guy took his team to the to the playoffs. I mean, there's a lot of guys that didn't get to the playoffs that are like young superstar athletes. Keep playing Some people until would you say he was in the right division, but you're right. Go ahead. That's Go true. On. Fair, fair. But I'll say this. He's still an elite quarterback. He's Listen to Tony Romo call a game, and you'll understand that playing quarterback in the NFL, when you look at someone like Deshaun Jackson or some of these elite quarterbacks that are really good, mm. 
Yeah. But they're not Tom Brady and they're not Tony Romo when it comes to reading the defense and understanding football and understanding defense and offensive schemes. There's a lot more that goes into quarterback than just athleticism. So I'd say this. Of course. Tom Brady, if he thinks he could get another year, if I'm him, I'm playing until they cart me off. Unless I have some neurological damage or something that's seriously wrong with me, which I don't see. He looks like he's in the best shape of his life. He looks fit. I'd say get it all out. Get it all out because, and I'll tell you why I say that. My friend Eric Decker, the receiver who we talked about last week, he went to, uh, he played in Denver, then New York, then the Titans, and then he went to camp with the um, Patriots. And I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this story, but uh, Belichick calls him and says, hey, we're going to release you uh, unless you want to retire. And just on the spot, he's like, yeah, I retire. And Eric is like a really reserved quiet humble guy and he said man i regret that and my first reaction because our personalities are very different i said you should have told belichick i'm gonna put a foot up your ass and go to buffalo and i'm coming back here and i'm gonna beat the brakes off you and blah 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 blah. he's like i wish i had that mentality but i didn't and he's like i i had more to give but it's on me i showed up at camp with the patriots not in the best shape so when i think about stories like that i say to brady get it all out because the only opinion that matters for tom brady is his that's his life that's what he's got to do if he thinks he can add to a team and a team thinks he can make them better get it all out get it all out i think that's true and i think that's what kept them his ego his belief in himself all that stuff his competitive spirit but what kept him going was what you just touched on he knew and felt he still could do it at a at a competitive level and as long as you could still do it and you enjoy doing it that's the key you enjoy doing it once you walk away you can't come back for the most part exactly and 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 he didn't want to you know he didn't want to walk away and then have regrets later that hey damn it you know, he's, he's sitting on his couch watching games and saying, I should be out there. He didn't want that to happen. So I, I get it. Um, here's the last thing, the, uh, the million-dollar question. Where does he – I don't think he's staying in Tampa. Where is he going? Yeah. If, if, San Fran, if San Fran makes it to the Super Bowl, if they get blown out next week, I think there's a chance he goes to San Fran, outside chance, just because that's where he's from. But my guess is um, – <sighs> I think he'd probably like to live in Nashville. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of uh, pro athletes, former and current, that live here in the off seasons, and um, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking Nashville, there's a but, shot but, he goes but, to Tennessee Titans. Unless because, the Titans because, are gonna because go you're out there, and, because you're there. <laughs> that's true. True. Uh, he probably yeah, wants to know. do some training in the summer, oh. but I, I I gotta believe he's gonna go to a team that can win immediately. And I don't know that the Raiders or the Titans give him the opportunity to win. I think it's probably an outside a dark horse that we haven't considered because this is a smart guy. This guy understands football. So he's going to go where an offense that can be explosive. And I just don't know. Look, I think the Raiders have some unbelievable parts. How about the Miami? How about the Miami dolphins? Ooh, Ooh, that's a, that's, I think that, I think that he, he has a house in Miami. I think he'd like to live in Miami. I think that the quarterback in Miami is not good. I think he's very much like what I would describe the Vikings as. And I use this word not to insult anyone, but like they're frauds. They're not, they're not real. They're not real in the playoffs and Miami had, they were so close to beating Buffalo in Miami, in Buffalo in the playoffs. I like Tua. What's his name? Tua, the quarterback. Tua. But, I don't, but, but, but he gets they, hurt. He, well, he gets hurt. And, but he also, he, he ain't, I just feel like what you were saying about Dak, Zach, uh, Dak Prescott, I just don't see Tua leading a team to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. I just, yeah. and look, there maybe there's people out there like, yo, you're an idiot. Maybe I am. I just don't see it. But who am I to say? 
All right, Burns Magny, is that the UFC? Before we talk UFC, one of the things that we talk about with these aging athletes is taking care of yourself, and that's what Brady's obviously done, and that's what I do with Athletic Greens. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas to take advantage of a special opportunity for our listeners. 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Athletic Greens Teddy is a whole food source multivitamin in the form of a daily green drink. I mix a scoop of this in 10 ounces of water in the morning, drink it down. It tastes great. It's easy to use. And I know for one thing is for sure, no matter what my diet consists of that day, I got all the vitamins, nutrients, and minerals that I need. Probiotics, prebiotics. Athletic Greens has everything. It's an insurance policy for your health and immunity, especially as we're in the cold and flu season. Make sure you're getting all your vitamins. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas. 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Not only that, you'll be supporting the show. They've been a loyal supporter of this podcast from the beginning. So if you like us and you want to take care of yourself, please try Athletic Greens. With that being said, let's talk UFC. Uh, Gilbert Burns uh, destroys Neil Magny. And I think, Teddy, what this fight highlighted for me is, like we say in all sports, there's levels to this game. And Neil Magny is a killer. He comes in three and one. He goes in with Gilbert Burns, who got beat up pretty good against Shemaev. And Gilbert Burns just outclasses. He tested Shemaev, though. He really tested Burns. He absolutely did. Burns showed me that Shemaev was the real deal by Shemaev being able to find a way to beat him because Shemaev got threatened by him. He got, he, that was no walk in the park. Shemaev, to me, that, that's going to make Shemaev a better fighter. And again, that was the win, the fight that really sold me on Shemaev, that he is, uh, He's going to be around. He's the real deal. Because he and the was point able with Shemaev, Teddy. But Teddy, Shemaev's a young guy with not a ton of experience. And Gilbert Burns is a legend. He's fought for the title. He's got it all. And Shemaev found a way. Yeah, right. and then, he tested Shemaev, though. Yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah, of he, course. We knew Shemaev had the physical abilities. But we didn't know for sure if he had the ones I talk about, the mental yeah. ones that the character, the the uh, not the stuff that you see on the outside, but the stuff that's found on the inside. He showed in that win over Burns that he had the stuff on the inside. Yep, and he also showed, like I said, like 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 you would say, like you're not not a fighter until there's something to overcome. And like we always say, you can't get better unless you're getting tested. And I think Shemaev leveled up in a massive way by being in tough with Gilbert Burns and finding a way to overcome. So maybe saying Shemaev handled Burns isn't the right description, but my point is. Burns is a killer, and there's other guys that have, and Usman and the top-tier guys have beat Burns, and what Burns did to Magny is just highlights the difference in steps up, and I mean, those top two, three guys, and Neil Magny, I would have put in with anyone, but wow, the way Gilbert Burns handled him, I don't know if we say resurging Gilbert Burns makes another run at the title, or if Neil Magny is uh, slipping, but that was a one-sided ass-kicking like you don't usually see in these like main cards on the UFC. How'd you like it? Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of truth there. I, look, Magni's probably a little shop one too, besides fair, everything else. Very but, fair. But uh, it, it was a different level. I mean, there's guys, they're all tough in the UFC, all of them. They're all animals, but, um, you know, there's a food chain to the animals, you know. Yeah. Some of them are beasts, uh, you know. 
Burns is a beast. You know, he's he, he's he's a beast. He was bigger and stronger. I noticed that right away when they got into the octagon uh, than Magny. And right from the beginning, very controlled, uh, did a good job, Burns, of being very aware and knowing how to control range and distance right from the beginning. Uh, he even had a little spurt there where he out-jabbed the longer, taller Magni. And it reminded me, even though it was only for a spurt, when Mike Tyson used to always out-jab the longer, taller fighters. Always. If you know what you're doing with the jab, you can out-jab taller guys. Instead of just... When you're in there with a taller, longer guy, too often the shorter guy just kind of gives in to the point that he's going to get out jab, that he's not going to win the jabbing area or the jabbing contest. And and you're wrong. You're wrong. You might not win it, but you can at least contest it. And you need to, because if you don't use your jab with a taller, longer guy, he's going to use his, he's going to out jab, he's going to control the outside, your night's going to be a lot tougher. But if you know how to use your jab, even as a shorter guy, with the shorter arms and the shorter height. You can be effective with a taller, longer guy, as Tyson used to do. A little slip of your head, a little step in, double the jab up, and all of a sudden, you're putting pressure on the guy with the longer jab. You, you might not be out jabbing him, but you're keeping him honest. You're keeping him from dominating you in that area. Right away, Burns sent that message. Just a spurt. But I notice it. I notice everything. He 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 was able to be effective with his jab against a guy with a longer, a taller guy with a longer jab. And then what does he do? Then he uses a throwaway because it's always about the cerebral part. Ken, I always talk about how smart we. They're all tough. They're all physical, but the ones who are smarter they separate themselves. In everything, in everything in life. Everything in athletically, too. You got to be able to be cerebral, too. Bring that dimension to it. And what does he do? He uses a throwaway right hand, Ken, that wasn't intended to, to land, but it was intended to keep Magni occupied, distract him, so he could get close for the shoot. He wanted to get in. He wanted to take him to the mat because he's a monster. And he took him to the mat. And once he took him to the mat, it was just a matter of time. You know what it looked like to me when he took him to the mat, Ken? Like one of those nature channel. I love to watch it with my grandson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know it, exactly it, what you mean. It looked like one of those nature channel. Like an alligator pulling a baby gazelle yeah, into the water. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. he got you. It's put you in a death me, No, uh, the one for me would be... <laughs> Uh, a sea, one of, you know, about the sea where you got the octopus gets its prey and it gets on top of it and then it slowly and surely gets, engulfs it. You know, it gets its tentacles around it, it engulfs it and yeah. it slowly and surely just smothers it and, and just squeezes the air out of it. That's what he was. He got on top of him, he moved around a little bit like the octopus, 
and and he got himself in position where he got his tentacles around him, and then he slowly and surely did. You knew what was going to happen when you yeah. watch the Nature Channel. You know the octopus is going to win, right? Or yeah, even yeah. like a snake when a snake gets the uh, gets the rabbit or the rat wrapped up yeah. and he just slowly chokes him. Then he slowly maneuvers him into position and all of a sudden all you see is the, the bottom half, then the feet, then the tail, then goodbye, just a big bulge yeah, in the snake's belly that. like, bye, see you on the other side. There's another nature lover. <laughs> I, knew, I knew we had a lot in common. Um, we, we watched these nature shows. I'm glad you watched them too because there's a lot to get from those. One of the greatest gifts that's ever happened to me. My youngest son, who is now obsessed with jujitsu, we go every night. I sit there from 5 to 5.45. How's he doing? I know. You told me that he's doing great. He freaking loves it, but the best gift ever, Teddy. And they've never, like, watched with, like, real intent the fights. You know, they'll come in and out, big fight, then they'll, like, fade away. He's sitting there with me. Teddy, it was just, it was like magic. It was like a gift from the gods. He's seven. He's like, oh, dad, watch. He's going to tr- he's gonna get in a full mount. He goes, oh, oh the guy's rolling. He's going to take his back. He, and wow, then he looks at me and goes, dad, the guy who's, the, you know, he, oh, he's got his back. The guy who's got his back, he's got to turn quickly and get right into that guy's oh, he's guard. Learning. He's got to like turn fast. I, and I was like, but you know, he's I learning. brought all four. Just he's for learning. the record. I mean, he, I, I know he physically works and all that stuff and he's, you know, he's strong, you told me, but he it shows you that he, I mean, you set the key when you initially started talking about him, that he loves it. And yes, when you love something. That's what I was going to say. That, that's I, it. You're going you're gonna to learn it. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like, oh, my kids are the best. I brought all four of my kids, three of them quit. Uh, it is what it is. I can, you, you get what you get with your kids in a lot of ways. You can nurture certain things, but you can't turn if a do- if a puppy doesn't bite and act aggressive, you're not gonna turn him into a pit bull. You just you gotta nurture what he has. This is the same kid who loves jujitsu. He's not a he's not a tough guy or a hooligan. He's not trying to beat people up. He just loves the like skill of it because he's also the same kid that asked for a sewing machine for Christmas and is like sewing me stuff every day. He's like, Dad, look at this. We're gonna make our own pants. Dad, maybe we could start our own cloth <laughs> clothing it. line and it. put. So what this a is a it, kid. he's he an artistic kid, kid. Yeah. Yeah. and and so he's rolling with a girl wow. who's that's, who's that's more great. he's rolling with a girl all the time who's I, more tell advanced. Me, I, I I could use some warm socks. <laughs> I, I <laughs> don't tell, use, don't tempt I, him. He'll be he'll be no, he'll be I'm knitting like, next. I, but he he rolls with this young girl who's about his size, but she's been there a lot longer, so she's uh, one or two belts ahead of him. So every day he says to me, "Dad, he's like, man, she's good. She knows all the moves." but she's not strong enough. I can overpower her every time she does something. She gets me in like submission holds, but I'm too strong for her. But the fact that he's even registering all this is just, oh, anyway, I digress. It's just like a gift from God. I'm like so happy that- I think we're gonna have ch- his poster. We're gonna have his poster in a few years. <laughs> we're gonna have it up there because he sounds like uh, there's promise there. I mean, yeah, in, in he, that area, yeah. It's like anything. Yeah. If you want to be good at something, you can't browbeat your kids into do you have they have to find something that they feel passionate about that you can nurture. And I'm just happy 100%. that he found this and with something that we do every night together for forty five minutes. So anyway, sorry to get off track. No, there. no. I love to hear about people's families and good stories, not bad stories, fun stories, uplifting stories, positive stories. Tell them I could use a pair of mittens. Uh, start All right. cro- start you crocheting. know he's gonna send you a pair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I, 
He's, he's probably going to go to your wife now and say, I, I need some yawn. And Tell um, you, the funniest thing is like, uh, I see him walking out the house the other day with my wife after school. And I go, Shell, where are you guys going? She's like, I'm taking Cameron to the damn fabric store. He's been hounding me for a week. He's like, Dad, I'm going to get some really cool fabric to make this new stuffed animal that I'm working great. on. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's good. I love him. He's just like, he's, the, meanwhile, mo meanwhile, he's then, the most confident two, kid. Two hours later, he's choking guys out. You know? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's great. Yeah. That's great. That's yep. great. That's beautiful. Um, that's the best. So that's that's it with with uh, with Burns and Magni. I mean, Burns. Listen, like I said earlier, and you said, you know, you opened it up the right way. There's levels. You know, in the animal food chain, there's there's levels of the animals, the hierarchy, and um, and Burns is just at a little higher, you know, uh, position of the animal kingdom that yep. Magni is. That's all. And, yeah, and speaking of levels, you know, I think you get that, like, I would say Mag if Magni is, no disrespect, a B level, and I've got Burns at 1A with uh, Usman and Shemaev being at, at level one. In the flyweight division, let's move to the Apex Predators, and that's uh, Moreno, oh, yeah. Moreno, and Davidson Figueroa. And Moreno's and our boy. You know, we don't. He's the best. Our, he's our boy. He is a great human being. He's the best. He, and best. he's been on our show. He's been on our show. And um, you just got to love the kid. I, I Look, you got to love the other guy, too. They're both great, but we know Moreno. So we're, yeah. allowed, to, we're allowed to tell the truth. To show. The truth and our favoritism. We know him. Maybe if we yeah. had an opportunity to know Figueroa, we we'd say the same thing, and, yep. and probably we would. But we love Marino. Oh, that's right. And uh, you know, there's one thing you'll get here is notorious truth telling, like it or not. And yeah, Marino is a friend of our show. Actually, when you when when you mentioned his name and started raving about him, I was like, if there's a fighter that my son reminds me of, it's Marino because Marino. This is a this is a gentle, kind-hearted person who when <laughs> who when it's time to fight is a savage, yeah. and he puts together. He's Dr. Got a Jekyll, Doctor Jekyll, Messiah. He's got a room in his house just for Legos. He's got a Mickey Mouse tattoo on his shoulder. You imagine seeing a kid like that buying Legos, Teddy, and some some clown or aggressive like damaged young yeah, man some bumps bully, into, some, bumps some into bully. him and says, yeah. "How about I punch you in your face?" And Marino's like, "I don't think you, I don't think you want to do that, I don't buddy." Think I'm, that's sorry. A good idea. I I'm sorry, did I bump into you? I'm sorry, did I I'm sorry, but I don't think that would be a good idea for you because <laughs> the it, next thing you it, know, yeah. Moreno's helping the kid pick his teeth up. <laughs> but but um, yeah. Al, um, Brandon Moreno, shout out to him. What a friggin' fight. He put it on Figueredo, and we're going to talk about it, but I saw you tweeted once where the fighter said, uh, they, the, uh, the announcer said the judges had it two to one. Uh, Moreno, I don't know where they found a, a round for Figueredo. I, I, I mean, it was a one-sided elevation in performance, one-sided fight for Moreno. This is the Maybe the first round. The first round was close, uh, you maybe. know, so maybe the first. I don't All know. right. But I had it three. I had it three nothing. But, I did too. Yeah. And um, fourth fight between these two guys. They've been razor thin. No, no doubt about that. They've been super close. They're very, very matched. They're, they're matched up almost perfectly. But Moreno just decided to elevate and separate himself, and he caught him with a beautiful winging left punch. And um, Figueredo, to his credit, he tried to play it off like he got poked in the high. Can't blame him. Like, you know, I guess if you're not cheating, you're not trying. He clipped him with a beautiful punch. Figgy acted like he got poked well, in the, the eye. Well, the punch did it obviously closed his eye. 
Yeah, it closed his eye, but it split his eye up pretty bad. You know, but Figgy was acting like he got poked in the eye. They showed a replay a couple times. No, didn't see any poke. But um, yeah, closed his eye. Doctor came in after the third round, stopped the fight. Uh, you know, at first when I was watching it, I was saying to you earlier, I thought that for a minute I gave it, you know, one of those thoughts where, is, is he just closing his eye and just, you know, when someone's like giving the thing, like, I can't open my eye. Yeah, just open it because you you can't open it if you're squeezing it closed. But as it went on, you could tell it was really closed and he was also taking a beating. And um, yeah, doc, doctor stopped it off. And, and, and as we've known and as we know and as we've said on this show multiple times, the minute you say you can't see or you can't figure out a way to see those fingers out of one eye, you're, it, the fight's over. As soon as you yeah, say you course, can't see, goodbye, course. fight over. So they stopped it. Congratulations to Brandon Moreno. We love him. He, he couldn't be a better family guy, good person. And like you said, maybe Figgy is too. We just don't know him. But congratulations to Moreno. I know you were happy about that one as well, just like we were. So what'd you think? You know, it, it felt like it felt like it was part of the Rocky movie series, you know? The yep. fourth one and I don't know, just going going to Brazil the birthplace in many ways of MMA or UFC, you know, just with the history, you know, of the great legendary Gracies. Um, it, it was, it, it reminded me the history and all that background there. It was like watching a soccer, what, what would be watching a soccer game, I guess, in Brazil with the same great tradition and history with, you know, the great Pele and others. You know, there was, it added to the atmosphere and um, it added to the pressure that Marino was dealing with, dealing with somebody who's fighting in their home country too, in Figueroa. Um, I, I had said, I, I had felt before the fight, and I had said this in some quarters, that I felt Marino, who obviously, as we said, we love him, we've we've had him, you know, on the show. But I thought when he won the first title, um, I I thought when he fought for the first title, I should say, and it was a draw against Figueroa, I thought that he won that fight. I thought that he had won that. And then what does he do? He gets really, he's always determined, but he gets doubly determined. He gets the rematch, and there's no doubt. He's, he, you know, he submits, he submits, uh, Figueroa in the rematch. And then Figueroa, to his credit, comes back and wins the third one. So now it's the fourth fight. And it was like, I'm looking at it when I was trying to handicap it in my head and come up with a winner. And I came up with, I thought Marino would win. But what I came up with was a little different. I used a little different metric system than probably most people would to come up with the winner, Ken. I was looking at the emotional, mental areas where their three fights prior was like a roller coaster of emotions. You know, the champion Figueroa, it's a draw, um, very tough fight, the first one. The champion uh, Figueroa, Marino feels he won. I felt he won. He doesn't get it. He's got to come back in the rematch. The emotions go favor him. The pendulum of the emotions swing towards him because he's got to, he can't lose, you know, he can't lose this. He won't get another shot, maybe. So the emotional side of it is in his favor. He's really ready, really up, 
really urgent. There's urgency is important to have some urgency. He's got the urgency. He wins. He dominates. Now the third fight, the emotional roller coaster continues. The pendulum swings back towards the guy who lost. It swings back towards Figueroa. Now he's got to get his title back. He's got to have urgency. He has the urgency. He wins the third fight. Now the pendulum swings back. I'm thinking in my head. <laughs> it's going to swing back now to Marino. And you know what? I think there's truth to, to the way I saw it. because Not because he won, but there was more urgency. You could see it. There was a little more urgency. You touched on it, Ken. There was a little more urgency, a little bit more emotion, if you will. Uh, contained emotion, controlled emotion, but focused emotion on the side of Marino. Now listen, their skill levels are very comparable. I mean, you don't have four fights back and forth unless the skill levels are very comparable. You don't. The, they are very comparable. Figueroa is a beast, just like Marino is a beast. But I just thought that the determination, the emotion part, the mental part, I just felt that Marino was more on top of it. He was, he was just a little ahead of Figueroa in that area. He wasn't satisfied yet. I'm not saying Figueroa was satisfied, but I'm saying that Marino just looked like a little hungry, a little mentally, like I said, more up, more on top of his game. And then it gets into that octagon where, you know, it comes down to skills and how you use the skills. And early on, the first round, sometimes it's not about winning. It's about surviving, then advancing, then winning. Kind of like Jim Valvano, the great late basketball coach, used to say about the NCAA tournament, basketball, great tournament, March Madness. He used to say, that tournament is about surviving and advancing. Surviving, advancing, and you learn along the way. And then you go and you win. But sometimes you got to survive and advance. And early on, Marino, same thing in, the, in this stuff, he looked like the great escape artist, Harry Houdini. <laughs> where I love he the analogies. Yeah, he escaped the guillotine, <laughs> and that's what it was about. I thought he won the first round, but he had to escape that guillotine. He escaped. Oh, it was tight too. I'm telling yeah. you that. Like, if, if if you would if you were explaining to someone how to execute a guillotine, that's what you would exactly what you would describe. Get yeah. him in your guard. Get him. Get the choke deep. And Moreno, much like Alex Volkanovsky, is like very calm in an uncalm environment. He doesn't lose his head. He works the techniques to get out. So just like someone would teach how to execute a guillotine, then they'd teach you how to escape a guillotine. And it was like two masters at their craft, and one just had a really? little bit more will to win. I, I felt that way, Ken. And the rest of, the, as far as analyzing the fight, I would say I love the head movement of of Marino and his hands loved, looked great, right? Yeah, I I loved the way that he was in control. I just felt that he was in control. He was more the boss. That's why I was giving him the rounds. And even though they were close rounds, and I thought that he was he was looking for the right spot to attack, not being over anxious, 
but being a boss. You know what I mean? Being being in charge. Like he was in control of, of the tempo and what was going to happen. And he also looked a little bigger. I don't know if he's on a weight program, but he just looked a little bigger and stronger than in the past. Um, I love the combination he threw early. A left hook to the body, right hand to the head, like a traditional boxing combination. Uh, it was really nice. And then I got to give my props, of course, to Figueredo because on the floor, he's so tricky. That You got to know what you're doing. You can't just be strong and tough. You got to know what you're doing. He's so tricky. He is so, so smart. And then in the second round, again, Marino was... Houdini again, Ken. Uh, he escaped another guillotine hold, and it was back and forth, close round. I felt that again, Marino won the second round, and I thought he was up two nothing going into the third. And then in the third round, bang, the leaping left hook, and and I'll tag it with that name because I come from boxing, history of boxing, and Floyd Patterson used the leaping left hook to knock out Igor Johansson to regain the heavyweight title. At that time, he was the first heavyweight champion ever to regain the heavyweight title after losing it. And he did it with the leaping left hook. That was a leaping left hook by Marino. And yeah, the the, the knuckle hit him in the eye and it obviously was some controversy about it. But here's the thing. Protect yourself at all times. Marino, yep. Marino understands. Now, Figueroa started to look to the ref a little bit, a little bit. And like, you know, it's a, it's a finger, it's a poke, which it wasn't. The replay showed it wasn't. It was a clean punch. But Figueroa didn't not hesitate. I mean, Marino, he did not hesitate. He, he didn't do what, to the point, he didn't do what Garcia did a couple weeks again, ago against Tank Davis when... Tank Davis suddenly started, remember, in the eighth round, seventh yeah, round? Of he started real close fight. He started looking outside at his, somebody fighting, his friends, whatever, at a skirmish outside. I mean, come on. Garcia had all the right in the world. Protect yourself at all times. The There's a part of me that almost would had, love to see you in the corner of someone who stops in the middle of a fight to see what's going on in the stands. You might if not the opponent want to see If the opponent doesn't punch him, the trainer might. I mean, <laughs> really, I mean, listen, he he had an opportunity. Some people say, well, he's being, no, he wasn't being a gentleman. Well, he, he wasn't in that kind of frame of mind that those kind of guys have to be. That's like right. Floyd Mayweather. Remember oh, when yeah. he fought Victor Ortiz? And Ortiz, yeah. had, and Ortiz uh, went to like touch gloves or say something. Oh, like he went to was, give him a hug or a kiss. It was he, way he went over to the top. It's like, you're in a fight. Yeah. But, and, and what, but, and what, but, Teddy. And, and Floyd Vic, hits him a left hook and, and ends the fight. Knocks him out. But but I will say this, and, and, I, and I do... I'm, Floyd Mayweather doesn't need me to defend him, but I will say this: the the foul that Ortiz committed to get to that stoppage was insane. He like literally lunged at him with a headbutt and a shoulder. No, no, and he I'm, tried not, to hurt. I'm not. I'm not knocking Floyd. I'm no, no, I know you're not. I'm saying he did the right. I'm saying he did the right thing. I'm well, saying he did with a fighter. No, he, I'm saying, yeah. listen, protect yourself at all times. That's the referee right. did not intercede. He yep. did not step in. He did not say stop. And Floyd is in a battle zone. He no, is, there was, he, there was a pause in the ring. 
There was a pause. The ref said, fight. And Ortiz was looking for a hug to apologize. Floyd gave him a little glove tap and was like, bang, bang, good night. Yeah, and he was because, like, come on. Again, yeah, the, uh, I know. He's, he's all fair in love and war. He's yep. in a war. He's That's on a right. battlefield. What are you going to do? Tell your enemy? Your enemy? Well, hold on. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that, uh, you know, and then bang, bang. Uh, you, you're dead. You're dead. <laughs> oh, oh, buddy, did I clip you in the leg uh, with that I'm, AK-47 I'm sorry. round? I'm sorry. Hold on, patch Boom. it up and we'll pick it up again. I mean, so listen, it's all about what it's about. You're in the ring. You're in a battlefield. You're in a battle zone. You, you know, it's, it's conquer or be conquered. I mean, he behaved the way that you got to behave with that mentality that you have to have. I'm sorry. And what I'm saying is, Garcia, a couple of weeks ago, you, you had a fighter who just stops in the middle of action. He's looking out <laughs> the ring. And, and Garcia, instead of you know fighting, he stops with him. It shows you his mind. Say whatever yeah. you want. I don't uh, care what you say. No, you're exactly right. It's it shows you that, that you don't have describe. that kind of mind. Exactly. It was not that, that he was afraid or intimidated, but he didn't have that like pit bull mentality. Where Marino you has it. The point I'm 100%. making is Marino has it. And, right. and so there was going to be no opportunity there for Figueroa to, you know, to, to have a, 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 a seminar with the ref. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he wasn't giving him a chance. There wasn't the going to be a chat with the ref keep there. Going. Yep. The, he, he, he acted like a fighter who wants to win his title. And so he just kept going. Anyway, he kept going. Obviously, um, he, you know, at the end of, uh, he did what he had to do, Marino. And uh, even on the floor, you know, he's very skilled, just like Figueredo is. Um, he, you know, he did what he had to do. Marino just again uh, it came down to the mindsets it really did what i talked about earlier you know um i thought i felt with the different mindset that marino came to conquer while figueredo came not to be conquered that's right agreed a, yeah that's a perfect description and it's obviously the difference is pretty well it would it should be obvious and the There's other thing, difference. Teddy, is um, I love Brazilian people, but what in the hell were they doing? Well, I was just about to say that I love I love the a hundred percent. I love the class shown by both these warriors, class acts um, after the fight, both of them. But I just wish that the fans showed more class. To, to what you were just saying. I think, I think it deserves more attention than show more class, man. When you are throwing, these guys are well, out there dangerous. doing their job. You could kill, You're going to you throw kill beer and food on the guy because he beat him. And credit to Moreno, he sprinted in and laughed about it. But there was, dude, this, there's nothing funny about that. Like, don't throw shit no, it's at not fighters funny at in all. there putting and it I'll on the you, line. I'll tell you I why mean, I can say horrible. it's not funny. I've been there. Years ago, I was with Customato. I don't remember if it was the Felt Forum or Madison Square Garden. It was in New York. It was the Vito For those Enterprise. who don't know, the Felt Forum is now the Hulu Theater. It's like a smaller theater attached to the attached to the big garden. Yeah, it was a smaller theater for 5,000 people right next door, right attached to the garden. And it was either there or the big garden. But whatever it was, it's a long time ago, 40 years close to it, whatever. 
And I was there with Customato, the great Customato, my mentor. And Vito Antifermo was fighting Willie Clawson. And Antifermo won the fight. But Clawson flashed a little at the end. And a lot of the fans, I think it was the big guard maybe, I'm not sure. But a lot of the fans way up in the, in the, you know, in those nosebleed seats, as we like to say, right? They they were drinking, and back in those days, you could get bottles in, you could sneak bottles in and stuff, right? Thank God that, you know, security's better now. And they only saw what they wanted to see. They saw their guy flashing at the end, so they thought he won. But he didn't come close to winning. And Infermo dominated the fight. Next thing you know, bottles. Bottles. No, it's unacceptable. Like bottles. Bottles come flying down from the sky, and I saw people carried out on a stretch. I was at ringside with Cuss. I Can you imagine you go to a fight, Teddy, to watch a fight, and some asshole throws a bottle down not, and puts you onto a stretcher? No. Come on, it, man. Ken, it was, it was scary. It was horrible. Cuss immediately, Cuss, you know, that's Cuss Tomato. Immediately, what does he do? He, he tells me, pick up a chair. Put it on, <laughs> no, no, not to throw at somebody, oh, okay. but, but <laughs> okay. to put on top of our heads. Instead of wearing hats, we were wearing chairs. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So here we are, we're, 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 we're holding chairs, and for Cuss, that's not enough. Cuss thinks of everything, everything. He goes, back up, back up against the Sounds wall. Sounds like someone else I know. Back up, I learned a little from him. Back up against the wall. And now we got the head covered and the back covered. So, you know, until the uh, rain of bottles stopped, it was horrible. But I got to mention, I had to mention it because it, it's, as you said, you got these gladiators, you got these warriors, whether boxing, whether MMA, doesn't matter. They just finished pouring it all out in the ring or in the cage risking themselves in battle and now they gotta be they gotta be under risk that some punk some coward and that's the only thing you could call them of some, course some coward from up above where you can't even see them from the dark regions of the arena is gonna take chuck a bottle down maybe kill them after after what they faced in such a brave way that they're gonna die in that kind of way uh, uh, that they should be submitted to that, to that, and and like you said, even if it's just food and and bottles of uh, uh, cups of soda, to demean somebody who who gets in a ring and behaves, and and some of the bravest way you could behave, and some of the most prideful way you could behave, a human being could behave, facing his inhibitions, facing another man, facing all that risk that you're going to demean somebody by throwing food and, and garbage at them. Uh, and I got to finish with this because there's a place for it in history, for everything in history. If you look, there's places for good and bad. I remember the late great, who I really loved, Marvin Hagler, maybe the greatest southpaw of all time, maybe the greatest middleweight of all time, one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. I remember when he won his title. It was in Wembley Stadium, outdoors, obviously in London, in, in England. He wins it against Alan Minter, and he destroyed Minter in three rounds. And what happens? 
all of a sudden, it was on, I think it was ABC, but it was on one of the networks. It was horrible. It was horrific. Yep. All of a sudden, Ken, you got a rain of bottles. Bottles. Beer so cans. So crazy. Coming down to his people, the Petronellis, had to cover, do the same thing they did for Marino. That's why it, it was reminiscent to me. Like and the best bad, is you see the, selfless, you see the selfless security guards and trainers and 100%. caretakers covering their man and taking the shrapnel like a soldier 100%. protecting yeah. a civilian. I'll tell you a couple of things. Um, number one, it's interesting when, that, when stuff like that happens. I'm always amazed at a mob mentality. You take five guys, they're all sitting there, they're having fun. Individually, neither of them would do something so stupid. But the minute oh, someone cool. sees someone else misbehave, this is like a common thing. I'm not like sharing any like inside knowledge here or psycho psychological evaluation that a mob mentality, you see someone misbehaving, it's almost easier for the mob to go along. And at times people interviewed after the fact, are like, yeah, I don't know what the hell happened. I saw everyone tipping the cop car over, so I just jumped in or something crazy like that or throwing stuff on athletes well, it's like and people you would in never gangs. do it in person it's easier to be it's easier yeah. to be brave in a gang than it is alone because, 100% you know and and, and, the other and if you can't do that alone you shouldn't do it in a gang <laughs> reminds me of when Andrew Galata be one thing if the fighter did something disgraceful like when Galata hit Riddick Bowe at like 52 low blows and got it himself disqualified and the crowd almost killed him then you can understand the anger there's still no excuse to Andrew Galata's a fighter he's in there to make money and do his job you don't get you don't buy a ticket doesn't give you the right to shower him with food beverage and anything else you can think to throw at him Galata was an idiot he, he, he was an idiot he but threw, you can't do low stuff blows like because he's a <laughs> weak guy mentally he was a very he was a strong guy physically he was a terrific fighter he was good enough to win the heavyweight title if he had a stronger mind he was good right. enough to beat riddick bowl who was probably in a damaged um state from losing so much weight he probably wasn't at his best riddick bowl at that point but whatever he's in a ring he's defending his title all is fair riddick was getting the crap beat out of him by Galata, and then Galata starts throwing low blows because mentally he's short-circuited. Because yeah. it's hard for people to understand what I'm saying right now because he's winning a fight. He, he's a beast physically. He's a good fighter, a real good fighter, good enough to win the heavyweight title, but not mentally good enough. He starts falling apart because he... The, I know it sounds crazy, but even though he's winning, the guy's still there. Yeah. And he doesn't have... The real confidence, the mental toughness, the true belief in himself to really know that he's okay, that he can handle yeah, it. Even right. though it's obvious he can handle it, he's shown the world that he can handle it. He doesn't know that. So what's he do? He starts throwing low blows, you know, to get out of there. You know, to to disable like self, the guy, self sabotaging in the worst yeah. way possible. Yeah, and I, a lot I of think people. It was the Riddick Bowe, Teddy. It might have been a different fight. It might have been. Did he did he get blown out by Tyson early? No, in Tyson. The, uh, he got blown out in one round. I think I think it might have been after the Tyson fight where he got showered with all the debris, one or the other. But it was something where the crowd was just like, uh, they were so angry at him. But I wanted to tell you one other thing when we were talking about stopping for the referee well, that's why i jumped in there kent because if and i don't know which one you're referring to yeah but if you refer to the ball one, one then 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 he uh, then i hate to say he deserved it but he deserved it <laughs> I, I mean you know he 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 I'm brought it you. he brought it onto himself put it that way uh, i'm with you one other thing i wanted to tell you when we were talking about um 
about being calm uh, when there's a distraction. It reminds me of uh, off topic, but one of our uh, American heroes, uh, uh, a friend of mine named Mitch Hall, who was a um, Navy SEAL. He was in development group SEAL Team 6 and was in a battle. He won a silver star. But listen to this story, Teddy. They're in a shootout. I I forget what country, Iraq or Afghanistan. They're in a shootout and one of the SEALs with him catches an AK-47 round through the eyeball and he's down. Presumably, Mitch, okay, he's dead. All right, stay in the fight. We got to get him, but now we got to get this guy out of here. So they lower him off. They lower the what they think is a dead seal, but he's he's not dead yet. They lower him off the ceiling. They 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 secure the perimeter, and and he's telling me this story over. He's a cyclist, so we're riding a bike for like four hours, and I'm like, don't skip any details. Tell me exactly what happened. He's like, well, I'm scared for my life. I'm pretty sure we're all gonna die. He's like, we're getting hit from every direction. We're pinned down. The guy gets hit in the eyeball with a AK round. He goes, I didn't know where he got hit. All I know is he's been shot in the head and he's dead. So was fighting. They get him down off the ceiling, off, off the roof by a ladder. And he's and he's like 6'2", 220. This is a gigantic guy. Mitch is like 5'11", 180. So they get him. They, they, they get the body down. They eventually get reinforcements. Long story short, they get him out of there, put him on a helicopter. They get evacuated, and uh, the guy lives. He's a cop somewhere in the country, the, 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 so, the SEAL who got shot in the eye. But Mitch basically saved his life, risked his life. He won a silver star, which is too removed from the Medal of Honor. But that's and, the uh, code they live by. That's it, exactly. That's, that's the code. That's why I have faith in this country. That's why I don't completely lose. We have men like that. We have but people when like remote, that. When you that hear live stories that like that, yeah, hopefully if someone hears no that man, story, you just realize no man, like... No man left behind. That's I mean, it. Uh, as long as we have men like, like that, that in this country, we're going to be okay. Yep, and no matter what you're going through with work, you got a tough meeting, you got an interview, blah, 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 blah. Listen, no one's trying to shoot you with an AK-47. You got Good this. Point. Whatever you're going through, Good keep point. your head, keep your head, keep going, and more than anything, just keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Practice, jujitsu practice, boxing practice. Keep showing up. Ask the great Sam Rivera, our producer over there, what happens when you keep showing up. He's uh, any day now up to be upgraded to a, a black belt in jiu-jitsu, was overweight, not happy, not in a good place in his life, went to a jiu-jitsu gym, and like, you know, 10 years later, he's about to reach the pinnacle of being a jiu-jitsu man. So anyway, I just wanted to share that story. It always makes me feel and good. And he lost over 100 it. pounds. How much weight did you lose, Sam? 100 pounds he lost, Ken, because yeah. obviously he was, you know, he needed to lose. Yeah, uh, when you're 100 pounds overweight and now you're on the verge of being a black belt in jiu-jitsu, that's the kind of self-fortitude and integrity and consistency that you can't buy that. You can't buy that kind of confidence. And uh, so anyway, hope that uplifts everyone if you're listening to this. And uh, let me put my glasses on before I get to the last fight of the night. And I just now you want to quick- talk. Now we're going to talk about a guy who could be a U.S. SEAL. His name is Texera. His name is Texera. 100%. And before I do, I just want to say thank you to the people at Roca Sports for sending me these beautiful reading glasses. Uh, Check them out at Roca Sports. Um, They got the best reading glasses, sunglasses, and they sent me. They didn't want anything. They didn't ask anything for them. They just wanted to give me some uh, reading glasses and sunglasses for running. So thank you to Roca. Teddy, the main event, what a friggin', what a show of courage. I I hesitate to say what a fight because it was essentially Jamal Hill just 
bombarding uh, Texera with punches. And Texera, as we know, former champion, uh, been around forever. I, I told this story before, but when I moved to Westchester County outside of New York City in 2013. Toughest guy, landscape ever. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. The guy who was my landscaper was a Brazilian guy. And he's like, oh, I was telling him, oh, I love the UFC, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, I got to introduce you to one of my main guys. One of my uh, managers or crew leaders is um, a guy named Glover Texera. This is, you know, almost 10 years ago. I'm like, oh, I know who that guy is. And he trained with the Gracies, who I knew from New York, Gregor and uh, Igor and Halls at Henzo Gracie. But uh, yeah, Glover Texera, toughest landscaper in the world. From landscaping, cutting grass in Westchester County to the uh, light heavyweight champion of the world, now fighting for the title again. And um, Jamal Hill. Imagine, just- imagine some idiot going out there and say, hey, you messed up my edges. <laughs> You missed the spot. You, look at you. <laughs> There's a spot over there you missed on the lawn. You, my, <laughs> edges are, my edges are too short. Or me yelling out to tell him, turn that damn blow leafer off, that leaf blower off. I'm recording the podcast. What did you say to me? <laughs> anyway, wow, what a win for Detroit's Jamal Hill. My God, and so emotional after the win. You could just tell how much it meant yeah, from it the first nice. time. Nice. First guy ever to go from Dana's Contender Series to the World Champion. Just an awesome story. His interview with... Um, Ariel Hawani a couple uh, months ago when he got it, when when the fight was announced was just, I was like, man, this is a different guy. He's just soft-spoken, a gentleman, was literally working in a, he was working in, I forget what he was doing. He was in a blue-collar job, and I'm spacing on what it was, but let's say it was a factory of some sort or, the, or a shipping place, and one of the co-workers, he's telling one of his co-workers, yeah, I'm a fighter, and the guy looked at him, like almost dismissed him, like, yeah, you're a fighter? You're standing right next to me in this dead-end job. And he said right there and then, he's like, I just decided, oh, is that what you think, brother? I'll show you. And here he is, like, you know, a few years later. He's Great the story. champion of, the, oh, it's Great an incredible story. story. If you haven't heard, it's a good interview with um, Ariel. And uh, congratulations, Jamal Hill. Man, he put it on Texera. Texera put up a hell of a fight. You know, did everything he could, but whew, Jamal Hill looked like he was questioning his gas tank. Gas tank in the like second, third rounds. I was like, I don't think this guy's gonna have the tank to finish. Texera kept pressing, kept pressing. You could tell Jamal was like, get this guy off of me, and then he'd catch him a shot, turn it up. Texera's still there. I'm like, oh, he's gonna empty the tank. Oop, Texera's still there. And sure enough, probably could have stopped the fight after four. And. Uh, Texera is not going out like that. He behaved like you would say, like a fighter. Just he'd rather be dead than get stopped. And uh, man, he, congratulations, Texera, on an awesome career. Congratulations to the new champ, Jamal Hill. Dying to hear what you have to say, Teddy. Sorry for being so long-winded, but give it to him. No, listen. I'll piggyback off a little bit of what you said, and then I'll work my way backwards. Hill fought like a champion and behaved like a champion. We knew he had skills. We knew he was athletic. We knew he was tall and long, but we didn't know was was under the hood. We know it was a car that looked damn good in the parking lot, uh, but we didn't know until we picked up the hood what was there, and we found out what was there. He earned being called a champion. He fought like a champion, but more importantly, he got the title because he behaved like one when he had to behave like one. His skills, we knew about it, but his will got tested. We knew the skills would hold up. We didn't know if the will would. You never know till you know. 
the will held up. He had the character of a champion. He earned the right to be called that mystical word, that old word in, in the history of, of, of the world, one of the great words that everybody wants to be called one day. Kids that are in their basement now, six years old, hitting a bag, seven years old, hitting a bag, they want to one day be able to hear that word, champion of the world. And you have to earn it. You can't just be athletic. You can't just be strong and fast and tall and long and all those things. But you got to be able to answer the call. And you got to be able to, when, when that knock comes during the fight on, at the door and the devil knocks at that door, you got to be able to tell the devil, go to hell. <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. You you got to be able to do that. And he was able to do that because he's going to knock on the door. No matter what your skill level is, to, to earn the right to be given that name, champion, you're going to have to prove it. You're going to have to earn it. And that's the way you earn it, by behaving like one, not just fighting like one by being tested, by having a hood picked up in a car and see what the freak's in it. And we found out. He's tall, he's wiry, he He looks like the great Bob Foster, who was a great light heavyweight champion in my business. Wiry guys usually like him. They usually, they're good punches. They get good leverage on their punches, Ken. And they're usually deliver in that area. Uh, they got to learn how to fight tall, you know, how to control the outside. He was able to do that for the most part. Coming out of the locker room, obviously I look at everything. The first thing I looked at, because I'm thinking about, is he going to handle the moment? Is he going to handle the pressure? Is he going to handle this monster? Even though the monster's 43 years old, which is incredible in itself, that he's still out there performing at this level to Sarah. But, when he's coming out of the locker room, I looked into him. I looked to the face and the eyes of Hill, and I could see the focus in his eyes and face that he was locked in, that that the moment wasn't going to get the better of him. Early in the first round, you could see that Hill was prepared for the aggression of Texera. Instead of uppercuts, as boxers will use uh, with a shorter guy coming forward all the time, he used knees. Uh, I mean, it was incredible. He was ready. He had to fight. He had the game plan. And sure enough, Tixera starts coming forward. He used knees to catch, uh, you know, the shorter man coming in. He'll control the ring or the, the octagon. He controlled the outside. The geography, as I like to say, that he needed to control. Uh, Tixera was very, as he is, very one-dimensional and predictable. So Hill did a great job of countering him as he walked in. Uh, Tixera needed to use the jab early, I thought. I thought he missed the boat a little bit on that. And I'll tell you why. As I talked about earlier with Mike Tyson. Yeah, Tixera wasn't going to out-jab uh, this guy. But... If he used the jab, which was strong and straight and accurate, and it landed when he did, the few times he used it, it would have at least kept Hill from 
pot-shotting him as much as he was on the outside. It would have helped him not get cut up the way he was on his way to being cut up to ribbons. It, it would have diminished some of what was coming at him. It, it would have put a little bit of a, 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 little bit of a, a halt to some of the incoming. There was a lot of incoming. And his own jab would have deterred some of that coming from Hill a little bit. And it would have helped. He didn't use the jab enough. I also thought that he should have went. And listen, he's 43 years old. So, and I have nothing but admiration and respect for him. I also thought that he should have to, um, he should have went to the long, thin body of Hill a little more. Uh, Trixera tried to get, you know, the geography that he wanted to get the takedowns. And here was a key, Ken. This was a key. He tried to get where he had to get. He wasn't going to win on the outside. He tried to get in close and then get the takedown and take Hill to the mat where he could use his skills and his strength there. And Hill used a really good prevent defense with the takedowns. He, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. He did a good job preventing those takedowns. Uh, it was one nothing Hill after the first round. Tixera was applying pressure as he always does, you know, and he was hoping, as always, that it would wear and slow down Hill while he was looking to also at the same time place a few time shots because he wasn't going to outspeed Hill. He wasn't going to outpunch Hill. He was going to look to catch him with a couple well-timed shots, which he was trying to do. And again, apply the steady pressure where he was hoping that it would wear down and weaken Hill as it went on. And you touched on it, you know, where it looked like maybe there was a few moments there where maybe that could happen. But again, Hill came up aces in the area that he had to come up aces, in the mental area, in the, in the will area, in the character area. Um, so, Tixera basically was trying to get excited pretty much the whole night while Hill was trying to make him pay for every inch of territory that he was trying to make. Hill had so many more options available to him. While Tixera, he had basically his standard three things. Pressure, power, he's strong, he can punch, and um, and his guts, you know. Uh, I mean, that's, that, that, that's what he was going with. Tixera was hurt by, it was amazing. You see guys hurt with left hooks? He was getting hit with left, kicks yeah he was blocking some of it but my god those legs those kicks were getting through and they were hurting him and they were hitting him around the ear and they were messing up his equilibrium bad they were messing up texera 43 year old texera equilibrium bad it was a big factor a big factor incredible how this freaking guy is one thing to take punches get cut up everything else he's taking sh kicks around the freaking head that that destroy your equal and he's still there i mean webster's dictionary <laughs> should just right now should just put a picture of him where they have the definition for tough 
Just put a picture of Texera. That's all you need. Then you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, what language it's in, you know, because anyone from anywhere in the world, they open up Webster's Dictionary. It doesn't matter what language they speak. They're going to understand, oh, that's what tough is. That's what tough is. Texera. Um, in the corner, I... Uh, not the corner of the, uh, uh, not when he was in the corner with his people, but when Texera was near the corner, he was on the ropes. There was a moment where he was moving his head, trying to avoid, you know, trying to avoid the shots, and which was good that he was doing that. I thought Hill again showed the cerebral part, calm in an uncommon environment. He placed a good uppercut. He placed the right shots. He didn't get lost in the moment, lost in the chaos. He didn't get excited. You know, he didn't, uh, he, he, he behaved like a professional fighter, like a guy who was about to become a champion. He kept himself calm, you know, like a Tom Brady in a pocket. That's what makes the difference with Tom Brady. That's what makes the difference with these guys, you know, whether it's Mahomes, this one, that they're calm when other people aren't calm. They stay together mentally when other guys panic. That's it. And he stayed together. He, he placed the right punches. He showed that dimension to himself, Hill that is. He placed some really good punches. And Tixera's an old war horse. We know that. <laughs> and let me tell you something. This was magnificent. After all that punishment in the second round, you knew somewhere before the night was over, 43 years old, right? Last time we're ever going to see him probably in that way. You knew that the old lion was going to roar before the night was over. And <laughs> I'll be sure. damned it, right, Ken? I'll be damned if he didn't roar. In that second round, he freaking roared. Rawr! And he gave one last roar. No, it wasn't the last one, actually. But he gave a roar to remind us, yeah, he's old, but he's still a lion. And he still acts like a lion. And he still lives like a lion. And he still can roar like a lion. Even if the claws aren't as sharp, even if the teeth aren't as long, you know, but he still knows how to behave like a lion. And um, it was it was an incredible second round, especially considering the punishment he was taking and considering his age. It was really, really a, a great round. We knew after that that Hill had great skills, but now we also knew that his will was tested, and he was ready to become a champion. Tixera uh, got close like he wanted to go uh, and needed to, but again, Hill's takedown defense was superb. Probably probably the difference in the fight. Uh, again, the leg kicks later on in the fight to the head continued to do all that damage, and... Uh, it really came close, like you said, to being stopped. And I actually thought that the referee or the corner probably should have stopped it. If it were boxing, it probably would have been stopped. But these guys shock you with their comebacks. I get it. And, and probably Tixera would probably, would probably kill the guy if he stopped it. You know, he, <laughs> he, he, he'd probably go back to his uh, days of, you know, being a landscaper and probably plant him in a hole somewhere, you know? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so so maybe his corner was knew what not to do. But Texera got old. Taking nothing away from Hill. I just gave him all the platitudes you could give a man. But he got old. He maybe he's been old, but he got old. And uh there's a lot of tough miles on that old truck. You know, there's there's not a lot of Sunday leisurely drives in the country, you know. This truck <laughs> this truck was taken, you know, it's miles through the mountains, the woods, the swamps, you know, and and I think it started to it started to to show. It started to show a little bit. Um and you know what? You could see late in spots where Texera used his jab, like I talked about earlier, Ken. It was effective, but it was too late. And he should have used it earlier before he got busted up. Uh, but the most incredible thing really was late in the fight was that Texera was... Uh, you see these guys survive somehow, which is incredible in its own. But what was really incredible for me, Ken, was that this man wasn't just surviving. He was still trying to win. He was still placing shots every once in a while, like, oh my God. I mean, he was still trying to win. And I I, I said, as I said, the ref for the corner should have stopped it. You know, I, I felt that way. But Tixera, he just, if, when you try to explain to our audience, which is partly my job, how a guy like this does what he did, you have to say this, that a guy like Tixera, we talked about it earlier with the SEALs. You talked about the guy, unbelievable, the, the Navy SEAL. Mitch Hall. Yep, Mitch yeah. Hall, Silver, Sil uh, just, Silver just and a, a Bronze yeah, A guy who I want to thank. I want to thank. I don't know if he listens to the show. Oh, I just want to thank him. I want to thank him and his comrades, all his fellow men that have done what very few people can do, go out there and protect our country uh, in a way where there's a good chance they're not coming back. And I just want to thank him. I want to thank him. I want to thank all his, like I said, his comrades for, for what they do, what they're always prepared to do and what they've done. And a guy like Tezera, along those lines, he lives and he fights by a code of conduct. It's, it's, it's not about, you know, just that he's a big, strong guy. I mean, he, he has, he's got an answer to himself. And, and for a guy like him that makes him so tough and, and so special in these areas, that he lives by that code. And for me, it's the same as the one practiced by, you know, we just talked about, the, the U.S. SEALs and, and the other great servicemen and women that we have in this country. But if you go back in the history of fighting, right, uh, the great samurai and other warriors in the history, that's what they live by. That Yeah, they had skills with the sword, and they had skills with the, with the jujitsu, with the karate, and with whatever, whatever the particular, you know, trade was or whatever the particular you know combat was but it was to cold the mentality um and for me it's basically conquer and don't be conquered 
I mean, for them. And and the truth be told, and I had to say this, you can in your and you can and you will beat Texera. You can, obviously, right? Just like you could beat the U.S. SEALs, but you got to kill them. <laughs> but, and, and in the end of the day, and I, I made a note to, this, uh, to, to myself to say this. I want to get this. This goes for the SEALs. This goes for all our men and women out there, our armed service men and women who practice this code, who defend us. It goes to all these these mixed martial, whether it's the fighters at the top level or the MMA fighters, UFC, whatever. You can beat them, but you will never conquer them. See, there's a difference there. And I just wanted to say that. You're never going to conquer Texera because to conquer someone, you have to stamp out their spirit. You have to kill their spirit. And you could kill their body but you ain't going to kill their spirit, their soul. That, that's not going to be killed because they won't allow it. That's going to live. That's going to exist. That's going to go on. And that's what you're dealing with. Uh, you know, his spirit doesn't permit it. He just does not submit. Uh, nope. I, had to, I had to point this out. Ken, as the doctor came up into the cage to examine Tixera, Right, and we saw that huge open wound, right, gash in his eye. Yeah. Right, I mean, I think it gets stopped most places. I was For thinking, sure. but I was thinking, and I know you're gonna laugh, but this is what was going on in my mind. I was thinking, if he's not gonna stop it here, what actually <laughs> would make? <laughs> what, what would actually move him? If his eyeball fell out. No, I. you know what I came up with? You're right. That's beautiful. I don't know if he'd stop it then. I don't know. Because Texera might pick it up and put it back in. So I don't know. I'm not sure. But I was actually thinking, what would it take for this guy to stop the fight? Would it take like a spear to go through his chest? Like 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 somebody to shoot a bow and arrow right through his, his heart? Like Boom! And, and and the arrows like through his heart and there's blood coming out. I don't know. I don't even know. He might break it off like they did in Braveheart. He might break it off, you know, and pull it out the back <laughs> and, 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 and say, hey, doc, you finished here? And the doctor might say, uh, yeah, I guess I am. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, tend to that when you get, when the fight's over with, get that, try to get that plugged up. Try to get that plugged up. I mean, really, <laughs> really. It was pretty incredible. Um, obviously, death before loss of honor for Texera. He actually lives and fights by that mantra. He makes it real. He makes it true. And then the last thing, it's not enough, everything that we saw. But after all that, Ken, before it was over in the fifth round, what does he do? What does this old Viking do? He scores a takedown. Oh, my God. Even, <laughs> the, even the commentators were like DC and all these great commentators. And John, uh, oh, oh, who was the other one? Was John, it John Anik. Uh, uh, no, John it wasn't Anik. Anik. No, it, it was, wasn't uh, Anik. It was, Anik it was the other who does a great job. Paul Felder. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who else it was. They're all Felder, great. They're all, they really are great. It's good to have commentators that know what the freak they're talking about. But yeah. anyway, he... I think it was DC actually was like, 
and he said it right. He said, that is Texera's Hail Mary pass. That's yep. his Hail Mary. And and basically what he alludes to is the Hail Mary pass. The only difference was he wasn't quite able to get it into the end zone. But yep. damn it, damn it, he tried. And and that's what was incredible. After all that damage, after all that blood, after all of the cuts, everything, the doctor looking at him, everything else, what is he, the kicks to the head in the fifth round, late in the fight, 43 years old, what does he do? He scores a t- <laughs> I, I I gotta laugh. He scores a takedown. And um and he makes you wonder, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Is he gonna do it? Is he gonna do it? <laughs> but again, to the credit of Hill, uh, you know, he he earned he earned his stripes. He um he earned his stripes. So I'll finish with full respect and admiration for both of these gladiators. As I said earlier, he proved his medal. He fought like, he behaved like a champion. He earned it. Congratulations to the new champion. And I just want to say thank you to the former one. Love and respect. You showed us all what a champion looks like and also what a man is. Find a way to do what has to be done. Something you commit to. Find a way to do it. And don't make any excuses. Even if it's kicks to the head. <laughs> don't make any excuses. Find a freaking way to get it done. Um, as you said, tears of victory for hell. Uh, you know, these men are great fighters. And also, as I said, they're great teachers of what you can do if you're willing to go to dark places and somehow find the light. They teach us. They do. And I, I want to make sure I said that it was, uh, it was pretty extraordinary. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, congratulations again to Jamal Hill. That was so much fun to watch. Um, what do we got coming up next week? Derek Hill back in action, and we've got Better BF uh, in London against Anthony Yarde on uh, ESPN Plus. So a couple interesting fights. I think Better BF wins by uh, absolute destruction. Obviously, next weekend. And one uh, thing about always- Yardy, I'll tell you one thing about Yardy. He well, of course, he's younger. I think he's younger, but uh, he's at home. Uh, even though you're alone when you get in that ring. And and better be if doesn't care where he fights you. He he's what I'm describing with Texera. He's he's a beast. He's he's a warrior. He's, he lives by a code of conduct. But one thing, Yardi can punch, and better be has yeah. been around a long time. And sooner or later, True. sooner or later, that rock is going to weaken a little bit. I don't know if it's going to be yet, but um, but it should be interesting crowd over there. Uh, it should be interesting. What was the other one you mentioned, Ken? That's uh, Derek Lewis in action. Oh, in, uh, the UFC. bomber, the bomber, <laughs> the black the bomber. beast. He's in with uh, Sergey Spivak, uh, fifteen and three. Where the hell is Spivak from? One second, I just uh, I don't recognize the flag, but I also who's the favorite? Uh, looks like they don't have a. Um, they don't have the. Let me pull up the odds just a sec. Um, unless Rob knows them off his top of his head. I love watching Lewis. You know, it's it's you know, either you get him or he gets you, right? I mean yeah, it's not more true. complex than that. 
Is That's it can- true. No, it's not more complex than that. And we did get uh, one crazy disappointing fight with him in the uh, the legend, uh, Francis Ngannou. You remember they, they got yeah, locked yeah. into it. Yeah, They were that too was respectful, a, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. That was, uh, <laughs> that was a crazy one to watch. Give me one second here. They were both worried about the other guy's power, you know, which they had something to worry about. Yep. All right, Derek Lewis. Here we go. Uh, fight night. Derek Lewis. Derek is a plus one seventy nine underdog. Spivak minus two thirty eight. Yeah. One thing about uh, you know, one thing about when you're when you're wagering on a guy that's the underdog, but he's got that TNT in his punches, is that uh, you know one little tiny mistake, bang. Uh, you're collecting. You're going to the window, and you're collecting a little extra money. I almost feel like when Lewis is an underdog, uh, this isn't a big one. This isn't a big spread, but I almost feel like you have to take him because that guy can upset anyone. I mean, he catches your shot. It's good night. And uh, the only know, thing about it. that, the only thing about that is no doubt about. It, that's why he's the underdog. His skill level isn't up to speed with his power. You know, yeah. that, that's the thing, that he's never really learned taking the time or the teaching to be there, whatever. I don't that's know what fair. it is. For him to have developed in the technical areas where it could have put his power to better use or to more that's consistent fair. use. That's fair. Well, Teddy, with that, that was a full uh, almost two-hour show. Hopefully everyone enjoys that. That ought to get you uh, to work and home on your commute tomorrow. So um, with that... And please subscribe. Subscribe, please subscribe guys. You want to us show. to keep doing this. Subscribe to, to the show. This, subscribe. And please buy some Athletic Greens. And with that, Teddy, thanks for everything. We will see you all, guys, all next week. Same place, same time. Thanks for being with us. Have a great week, everyone. 